Welcome to this week's edition of Ocean Allison, where I bring you the best in ocean science, education, and conservation through conversations with people who are creating positive change for the ocean. This week's ocean advocate is Charlie Knight. Charlie is a San Diego ocean lifeguard, a paddy scuba diver trainer, and an all-around waterman. Hi, Charlie. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. It's good to be here, Allison. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about your career as an ocean lifeguard and a scuba diver instructor. To give our listeners a little bit of background, Charlie and I know each other actually in a lot of kind of weird ways, coincidental ways. Our parents actually went to middle school and high school together. Charlie is best friends with my fiance and so Charlie like I said is an ocean lifeguard so Charlie I'd like to ask you what does it mean to you to be an ocean lifeguard here in San Diego and what made you become an ocean lifeguard? Well I was born and raised around the water you know surfing swimming and just being around the beach uh, all the time so uh, it was an easy transition for me to you know, become a lifeguard pretty much straight out of high school, where I was on the swim team, I was on the water polo team, I was also on the surf team. So it was just a really easy fit for me to try out for the lifeguards. And um, I always wanted to make a difference, and I always wanted to uh, save lives or, or help people one way or another. So that's why I decided to be a lifeguard. And I think having that well-rounded waterman experience really helped me to choose this as a career. So that's what I did. Awesome. And so what does being an ocean lifeguard mean to you? You know, you obviously achieved your goal of becoming an ocean lifeguard. And what does it mean to you? Well, the biggest thing about being a lifeguard is uh, really the instant gratification I get when I save a life. So uh, taking somebody that's, that's struggling in the water that's about to submerge and bringing them in and letting them go home to their family is the most important thing that I do on a daily basis. So it's instant gratification. It makes me feel good. I've done other jobs like being a paramedic and I just, I never really got that instant gratification, that good feeling, the same feeling that I get when, when I pull somebody out of the water. So it's, it's all about saving lives and making a difference and making sure that everybody goes home to their family every single day. That's my ultimate goal as a lifeguard. That's awesome. I love that goal. So what is a typical day for you like if there really is a typical day? A typical day is uh, always showing up to work early, being operationally ready, just ready to go because you never know what you're going to get that day. Every single day is different. But typically you go in service and you do a patrol along the beach to make sure you're not missing anything. You set up the beach, you set up the cones to make sure we have safe, effective accesses for our vehicles. And then you do some tower watches. Uh, Typically, as a permanent lifeguard, you do two main tower watches where you watch a stretch of a beach for about a mile. And you make sure that essentially nobody drowns. You send, you know, the appropriate resources to prevent drownings and to make warnings. We do a lot of different preventative acts. During the day, uh, we're a very proactive lifeguard service, so we don't wait for somebody to be almost drowning or, or somebody that's underwater. We, we see and we anticipate things, and we make warnings, uh, many, many warnings uh, throughout the day. 
So when I'm doing my tower watches, I'm looking out for any signs of anything to basically go wrong. I try to predict things, people getting close to rip currents, people getting close to jetties, uh, people walking down the beach that clearly don't have experience. So we're watching for these things, all these signs, all these clues. So we can go out there, we can prevent these drownings from happening. We can prevent rescues from happening. And then when I'm not in the tower, I'm in the truck going back and forth. Part of our job is also law enforcement related. So we enforce a lot of the the beach laws and regulations, it's basically quality of life type issues. So, for example, smoking, drinking, dogs on the beach during prohibited hours. So part of our job is law enforcement. It's not our favorite thing, but it is something that we have to do to increase the quality of life on the beach. So everybody that comes there can enjoy their, their day on the beach without all these uh, interruptions. And then after we've patrolled and we've watched the water... You know, just like any job, computer work can also be a priority sometimes, especially once you get to the permanent level. Uh, You're responsible for seasonals and doing some admin work on the computer, uh, such as scheduling or EMS operations. So we do spend uh, some of our day on the computer. After that, we basically take down the beach and uh, we do some closing PAs and, and leave for the day. And so what are some of the most common things that you deal with? I know you mentioned a few. What are some of the most common ocean-related incidents that you deal with on a day-to-day here in San Diego? Oh, yeah. The big, the biggest thing is rip currents. Um, we're constantly moving people away from rip currents because rip currents are, are something that, that we can see, that uh, we're trained to see. So we're constantly moving people away from rip currents, whether they're right out in the middle of the beach or whether next to a permanent structure like a pier or a jetty. We're we're just constantly looking for people that don't have the experience or don't have the ability to be in those type of areas. Um, On top of that, when we have some large surf, just like I said, we can easily pick out the people that don't have the experience before they even get into the water. And so we'll patrol and talk to them and, and make warnings. But our primary focus is really keeping people away from those rip currents and keeping them basically within their swimming and surfing abilities. And for our listeners and for those that you interact with on the beach, what are the best ways to spot a rip current or to get out of a rip current? A rip current, generally speaking, you can see a rip current because it's like a river flowing out to sea. And typically the waves aren't breaking in that area because it's deeper. There's usually holes in that area, and that's why the waves aren't breaking. So on either side of the rip current, you have a sandbar. You're going to see the white water breaking. And right in the middle, you're going to see the rip current where you're going to see water flowing out to sea. And that's because there's a hole in that area and the water takes the path of least resistance to get back out into the ocean. So it looks like a calm area, but it's actually not because it's pulling so hard and it will pull you away from the beach. And if that ever happens, all you need to do is stay calm, swim parallel to shore to get out of that rip current and then into the beach. The problem is, is people try to swim straight in, and that, as that river's pulling you out, you get tired, you start to panic, and that's when people have problems. So you take a deep breath, and you swim parallel to shore, and of course, always wave for a lifeguard if you need any type of assistance. And what about marine life? What type of incidents do you usually deal with in regards to ocean animals and people that are enjoying the beach? 
Uh, the biggest marine life problems are not sharks, believe it or not. Everybody's the most afraid of sharks. But the two uh, common marine, li- marine life that we have problems with are jellyfish and stingrays. Typically, the stingrays come out into the shallow waters uh, around the spring, and they stay all the way through the fall because the water temperatures are a little bit more stable during that time. And they stay in really shallow water, about two to three feet, and people step on these stingrays. And they have scorpion-like tails and barbs, and people get stung because they're simply stepping on the stingray and the stingray is trying to defend themselves. So we get a lot of stingray stings as well as jellyfish. Jellyfish come out usually during the summer. We don't see a whole lot during the winter. And people kind of brush up against them and they get stung. And it's nothing worse than a bad rash. And typically what we tell these patients to do when they get stung by a jellyfish is to actually go back in the salt water. The salt water is the best thing for the jellyfish. And then hot water treatment is, is the best thing for stingrays. So those are the, the two types of marine life we see most commonly and we have problems with. That's really about it. Those are the two most common problems we see with marine life. And so you talked about kind of these seasons where stingrays are more prevalent or jellyfish are more prevalent. Can you talk a little bit about how just the weather and ocean conditions, whether it's affecting an animal or it's just affecting waves, can you talk a little bit about how that really affects your work as a lifeguard? Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, For example, this year, El Nino. It came through, it brought us a lot of warm water, and it also brought us a lot of surf. We didn't get a lot of rain, but we did get a lot of surf. So when the surf goes up, we have more problems. We have more inexperienced people going out in the water trying to test their limits. And, you know, 15-foot surf, 15 to 20-foot surf is quite a bit different than the 2 to 4-foot surf people are typically used to. But, uh, yeah, with these El Nino conditions, we were extremely, extremely busy this winter, especially down at Sunset Cliffs where it's very difficult to get out. You have 15-foot surf, and you have nothing but cliffs right in front of you. So that that provides a lot of challenges for us as lifeguards when uh, you have difficult exit points and you have large surf. El Nino definitely kept us busy this year with very consistently large surf Ocean conditions definitely affect our day-to-day operations. We truly never know what we're going to get. Of course, the meteorologists and the Weather Channel try to predict what our days are going to be like, but you just don't know until you show up that day. And also the, the sun and the nice weather. So if you have large surf and you have nice weather, you're going to get more people coming to the beach, more people trying to get into the water. So the weather and the ocean conditions constantly affect each single day. And, and, and change things, can change things quite dramatically. So what is your main advice that you give to people, whether it's while you're working or that you'd like to give to our listeners now about being safe at the beach and when they're interacting with the ocean? The main thing is just knowing your ability. Are you truly a good swimmer? Are you truly a good surfer? Or you're just going to the beach to try to get your feet wet? Constantly uh, being aware of the ocean conditions and what they're doing by taking a good look at the ocean before you get in. Another good word of advice is always contact a lifeguard. We are there to help you. We are there to explain the conditions and to let you know exactly where you need to be to have a safe, enjoyable 
day at the beach, but really knowing your ability, don't go past your limits. It's just not worth it. We do our best to contact and warn people and to rescue people, but unfortunately, if we're far away or if there's just a long response time, we may not make it there on time. And so knowing your limits and knowing your abilities is number one. And then, of course, contacting a lifeguard to ensure that you're swimming or doing your water activity in a safe location. And so you are also actually a member of the dive rescue team of the San Diego lifeguards. Can you talk a little bit about being on the dive rescue team and what that means? Yeah, being on the dive rescue team, although it says rescue team, unfortunately, a lot of what we do is simply recovery. So sometimes divers have problems. They go down underwater and unfortunately they pass away. And so our responsibility is to bring closure to the families by finding them, by finding their bodies and bringing them back for the families. Of course, uh, we do have some rescue type situations where if we get there in time after a drowning, usually within what we call a golden hour, we can actually locate somebody on the bottom, bring them to the surface into paramedics where they could be provided advanced cardiac life support and bring them back. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen all that often, but uh, our, our primary focus is finding these people, finding these bodies so we can bring closure to the family. In addition to that, we do some vessel recovery for uh, sunken vessels as well as uh, cars. Cars will you know, be back in a trailer and they'll end up 10 feet into the bay and, and we provide some support for retrieving those vessels and retrieving those vehicles, usually from the bay. You are not only a member of the dive rescue team as a lifeguard, but you are also a PADI master scuba diver trainer kind of on the side where you teach people how to scuba dive, which is really awesome. Um, you actually taught me for my advanced certification and my rescue diver certification, which was really awesome. Yeah, so can you just talk to us a little bit about what it's like to be a paddy dive trainer? Yeah, uh, well, I absolutely love diving. I have a huge passion for it. So any chance or any opportunity to get into the water and share my passion with other people is good for me. Although I do make a, a little bit of money on the side being a paddy instructor, what I truly love to do is, is just to dive and to inspire people to continue to dive. I feel that I've been fortunate to increase my diving skill set in the past five years, and I just want to be able to share my knowledge and passion for diving uh, with other people, and that's, that's really why I choose to be a, a paddy scuba instructor in addition to being a lifeguard. And have you had any experiences teaching people that have never scuba dived before, first-timers that you've taken in the water and shown them their first real underwater experience? I have, and, and typically they are lifeguards, but they haven't been underwater before. And some of them, a lot of the times actually, are, are pretty nervous about going going underwater and, and breathing, um, rightfully so. It can be pretty pretty scary for people. A lot of people don't fully 
understand what the underwater world is like until you get under there. It can be quite frightening when you're uh, looking from the surface. But I think most of them find that once they get underwater and they're breathing bubbles and they can take a clear look around of the, the beautiful scenery that we have underwater, I think they truly, truly uh, enjoy it pretty much right off the bat. And it's not nearly as scary as they once thought it would be. What is your approach to teaching scuba diving? What are some of the key fundamental things that you keep in mind as an instructor? Well, just just knowing your students, knowing their ability, knowing their comfort level. It's the same thing as being a lifeguard. I attribute a lot of my teaching ways from being a lifeguard and, and knowing that safety is number one. So having a good conversation with them before we get in the water about what they're comfortable with, what their abilities are, before we try to do something that's past their limits possibly. And then always really doing your safety checks and being thorough with absolutely everything you do scuba related because it is a high-risk environment, and you need to make sure that you're taking all safety precautions into account and that you're knowing your students' abilities. And so you are a lifeguard, you are a scuba diver instructor professionally, but you also connect with the ocean in a lot of really cool ways personally. Can you talk about some of the ways that you like to enjoy the ocean yourself? I like to enjoy the ocean in any possible way. I've been a surfer my entire life. I'm going to continue to surf my entire life. I've also picked up stand-up paddleboard surfing, which is uh, definitely a big new interest of mine. It's a whole different way of surfing, and I like to experience the waves in a different way now, not just with prone surfing, but but stand-up. Recently, I've also been doing a lot of paddleboarding. I have an 18-foot paddleboard that a take out into the open ocean and and do long distance paddles. Lately, I've been doing up to about 12 miles on the weekends. And then I've also been training at work, paddling about uh, three miles, three days a week. So I really, really enjoy being um, far out into the ocean, paddling and getting exercise. But uh, I also truly I like everything about the ocean, whether it's, you know, body surfing, spear fishing, paddling, scuba diving, anything that I can possibly do to connect with the ocean, I will do. It's it's really a spiritual place for me. It's a place where I can go and I can get away and I can kind of feel at home. I feel at home with the ocean. And so I try to connect with it as much as I possibly can. It makes me feel good at the end of the day. And you're actually doing a long distance paddle coming up this year. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm doing the Catalina Classic in memory of my dad that passed away about a year ago. He was a a true waterman and I'm trying to live up to his spirit. And this is a 32 mile paddleboard race from Catalina Island all the way to Manhattan Beach Pier. So it's by far the furthest I will ever have to paddle. I'm training extremely, extremely hard for it. I'm swimming three days a week, running five, paddling three to four days a week. So I'm training extremely hard because it's a very, very intense uh, long distance paddleboard race. Hopefully I'll be successful and uh, make my dad proud. That's going to be so awesome. I feel like it's going to be such an amazing feeling to know that you've crossed this open ocean passage and have that accomplishment, especially in memory of your dad, which is so great. And yeah, so you connect with the ocean in all these amazing ways. 
Can you talk a little bit about what you feel the importance of that is for being a lifeguard? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, being a lifeguard is all about being a well-rounded waterman or waterwoman, whatever you want to call it. It's about understanding the ocean in, in all sorts of different ways. For example, uh, scuba diving, understanding scuba emergencies and understanding how the equipment works is, is really important because you never know when you're going to get that scuba emergency. You never know when you're going to have to dive to try to find somebody. So uh, that's really, really important. Uh, surfing all the time is crucial to understanding the waves and how they break and how rip currents work. So a lot of the times as surfers, we use those rip currents to our advantage. We use them to get out through the surf. So it's kind of a lazy way. It's kind of like a little escalator to get out through the surf. So understanding those um, the waves is extremely important. And then, of course, uh, paddleboarding, just being good on a board and using your arms and your endurance is really crucial. And then also body surfing and swimming all the time. I mean, we're constantly uh, making rescues by simply swimming out to a victim. It's kind of old-fashioned, but we do it all the time. It's primarily what we do. So being good at, at, at swimming by just going out and body surfing all the time will really help increase your uh, swimming ability and also understanding the waves. Getting out in the ocean any possible way that you can so you can fully understand and comprehend what's going on. The more you're out in the ocean, the more you understand how it works, how the wind works, how the weather just in general affects the day-to-day -day ocean changes. So for our listeners, if you are interested in what Charlie had to say and you want to learn more about how to stay safe at the beach or what lifeguards do to help protect those that are visiting the beach and the ocean, um, you can check out the San Diego Lifeguard Service website. I will link to that when I post this podcast episode. And also, I highly recommend that you go and talk to your local lifeguards wherever you are in the world, whether you're here in San Diego um, or at any other beach. Like Charlie said, the lifeguards are there to help protect us and help make sure that our ocean interactions are safe. So going up to them and asking any questions that you have, whether it's about marine life that you could encounter or the waves, rip currents, things like that, so that you're, you can stay safe. So Charlie, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you and thank you for sharing all of your ocean knowledge with us. Thank you, Allison. It was good to be here. You just heard Charlie Knight, San Diego Ocean Lifeguard, Patty Scuba Diver Instructor, and all-around waterman. To learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, visit my website at allisonrandolph.com. And tune into next week's episode to hear another conversation between me and someone creating positive change for the ocean.